Hey, I'm Will Levis. He's Eric Laville. And you tune into Levis and Claville, where we give it to you straight the way it is from a black male's perspective. Because it's like that, and that's the way it is. So let's get right to it. Continuing our series, The Black Tax, July 4th, Independence Day for who? So July 4th, America celebrates its independence from England. However, as, Amer- as African-Americans, the holiday always has these mixed emotions, mixed reality. Black Americans were enslaved when it was the first uh, Independence Day uh, celebration. So particularly America now is in this moment of heightened awareness of the injustices that have been going on for generations with the uh, killing of the murder of George Floyd and many others by the hands of police, for example, the disparities that are going on for African-Americans in health, wealth, housing, you name it. Uh, we often learn about the victory that happened inside Independence Hall when the founders of the nation were uh, making a decision to break away from England. But what about the evils that were occurring outside of Independence Hall? How a whole body of people, God's people, were enslaved and the country was built upon. So, Claville, you, you know, you're... I mean, I, I just pause and I'm thinking about this as as we think about like what was going on with our with our people and black people and Christian people who you know are supposed to understand the the humanity and how it's tied to God were, was yeah. engaging in this. Talk about what was going on then, because America launched a revolution because it was being taxed by England, overtaxed by England, but Black America was facing a Black tax. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you know, when I think about the 4th of July, Independence Day, I think about all the grandeur, Hmm. all the victorious uh, statues and the portraits. We think about all the sayings, there's nothing more American than apple pie. Right. We think about the flags uh, during that time period, the fireworks during the celebration and the like. Exactly. You know, but we forget that for almost 100 years after 1776, the black peoples of this country were still enslaved and did not have their independence. Enslaved. You know, and working for free. Uh, I keep wanting to put that out there, working for free. The other aspect of that is, well, there's many aspects, but the other aspect I, I, I see is that we see the picture in the Constitutional Convention in the hall, right? Right, right. We see the all the white statesmen, the men inside there. But we what well, what's going on on the outside of Constitutional Convention? After the black servants brought in the food, the water, and the like, and brought it out, mm. what was their life like? What were they thinking? Mm. The slaves that were brought to Philadelphia, uh, that brought their their masters and the dignitaries there um, mm. to serve them in the daytime and at nighttime, uh, mm. all the things that took place and the things that were going on in the inn other states where they came from on the plantations. What was going on? So let's take a look at 1776. Well, mm. 1776, 
the child of Great Britain, which is America, right. decided that they wanted to break loose because they were having and getting an unfair tax. Right. Uh, we remember what's called the Boston Tea Party, right? Uh, where, But keep in mind, that the Boston Tea Party wasn't the first. It was something that was duplicated and started that worked its way up the coast of the East Coast, where they were stopping, of course, tea and other goods from coming into uh, the, the port mm -hmm. now, because they were being unfairly taxed. They right. thought that they didn't have the freedom that they sought Right. Here, freedom. Freedom. We we want to be free from being overly taxed. We want to be able to reap the benefits of our labor. We want to be able to have life, liberty, pursue happiness without being overly taxed. Absolutely. So we need to break away from this, you know, the Great Britain Empire. Our mother. And go our mother and go on our own. So here we have this uprising. You know, had essentially had an uprising there at the port, and ironically, not a violent uprising, huh? Righteous uprising, yeah, righteous uprising. See history categorizes this, yeah, and and then ironically, it's it's a black man, a black a man of African and native and indigenous heritage, Crispus Attucks, who is the first to die on behalf of this cause. Now, well, let's pause there for a moment <laughs> and, and look at that. I know we celebrated that, right? You know, saying, oh, he's the first that gave his life. But as we know, and the world is being opened up to police misconduct and police mm -hmm. assaults against African-Americans, uh, was he targeted as being mm. shot, right? It makes, you, hey, it, makes you, it makes you wonder, yeah. Again, history has a way of romanticizing things as time goes on. But look, the, the other aspect of that Boston Tea Party is that these individuals dressed up as Black people, hmm. right? So the, the Native Americans uh, dressed up as, you know, in Native American garb to say that these Native Americans did. Now, the significance of that, you know, there are many angles to it, hmm. but it was the, the crime was being blamed on people of color during that time period. Uh, but when we take a look again at what the citizens of America wanted to do, they said, we're not going to have a conversation. We've talked enough. We're not going to march. Right. Enough. We're not going to pass resolutions. We've right. done that enough. But they had a revolution. Right. It was a rebellion. Uh, and we call it the American Revolution. We romanticize it. Right. We look at it as they didn't take a knee. They didn't take a knee. They, they did not take a knee, but they had a an uprising, right. a violent uprising, where they they fought for years hmm. in killing each other uh, over control of America, and ultimately, uh, America won. The 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 one that rose in rebellion won right. and overtook his mother country. And with that, America became what we know it today. Now, of course, you know, the Constitution Convention itself, there was, of course, the the first, I would say the first Constitution, or we tried something, it didn't quite work, didn't have a lot of teeth. We didn't know if we wanted, uh, and of course, this is, I'm not going to delve into it, but we didn't know if we wanted a strong central government like England had and so forth. Right, right. But ultimately, 
we came down to the U.S. Constitution, yeah. right? Uh, so that's kind of what we ended up getting uh, after, you know, 1776. Uh, so, well, when we take a look again in the lens of the rearview mirror, because, of course, hindsight is always 2020. Was this the right way to go about it? You know, the rebellion uh, that uh, that America rose up because it seemed to have worked. However, when other rebellions start to rise, we demonize it mm -hmm. because at that time period, again, as white Americans got their independence from their, their oppressor, black Americans were still being oppressed. Native Americans were still being subjected to suppression, oppression, and genocide. So does it depend on who is doing the uprising? Because we've just recently experienced an uprising of proportions that this country has not seen in, in recent history on January 6th, where a group of folks claiming the previous president was robbed and at the urging of the previous president and others, they went and stormed the Capitol. And right now we're dealing with a Congress that is <laughs> wrestling and waffling. It's, we all watched it happen. And there in real is, time. In real time, you know, live on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, CBS, you name it. And we still have people debating and twisting and saying that what we saw with our own eyes wasn't what we saw, that it was a, you know, a righteous, peaceful demonstration. So it seems like, again, if you tie that uprising that happened in 1776 and you look at who uh, the characters were, it, and then you look at what happened January 6th, and then you look at the different uprisings that happened prior to that civil rights movement, all of, and you wonder, okay, well, it depends, apparently, it depends on who is doing the uprising, the uprising. And, the, and the color of their skin that determines even whether we want to even call it an uprising. Well, you're exactly right. It, it all depends. It all depends on who's doing uprising. It depends on who they're uprising against, mm -hmm. and it depends on who has the power to write the narrative and dictate the narrative. Right. Mm -hmm. And we see, you talk about Congress in this time period, and we're talking about 1776, and we're looking at uh, independence now, you know, the black tax, mm -hmm. black independence. But I want to I take a look at what, what was happening in Congress right now. Moments after they started to clear the Capitol, now again, I, the, the storming of that of the Capitol was just reprehensible. I mean, it was just disgusting, absolutely disgusting. If you are an American or you are someone across the world that adores America for what we stand for, you should have been disgusted to see that because it was all built on a lie. And that's the power of words. Yeah. yeah. Right now, the Republican Party is in shambles because they're built. They're basing their decisions on an election lie. You know, Senator Grassley even made that statement. He said, like, you know, it's like we're 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 based we're we're basing our decision on election law. The Republican, as a matter of fact, Republicans are being elected or 
not or, or kicked out of office based on whether or not they believe the lie. Right. Well, well, whether or not they speak ill of or in favor of, because I think that what people really need to be honest about is that many of the politicians, they know what they saw. Absolutely. They know what it was. And so they are making a calculated decision about how they want to play this because of whether or not they're going to get voted out of office or not. And it's very similar to what the founders of the nation were dealing with then in 1776. They knew that enslaving other human beings was a law, a lie and wrong. I mean, Jefferson knew that when he was writing notes on Virginia and he was simply justifying, but he knew in his heart of hearts, I mean, he's a learned man. He understood humanity as it was understood at that time. And he also understood history and what Africans had accomplished and all of the great civilizations that existed prior to. So that was not foreign to him. He understood all of that and knew all of that. So they were writing and justifying what they were doing based on the expediency at the moment, the wealth that they saw they wanted to accumulate or the status that they wanted to accumulate. So I I think we got to be really honest about saying, no, these learned men, George Watt, they were not men. You you often hear, well, they were men of their time. And that was the presiding thought of that time. No, 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 no. No, these men understood clearly what they were doing and why they were doing it. And I think that we have the same thing at play right now. We have men and women in Congress in business and leadership who clearly very much understand what they're doing, but they're doing Absolutely. it for expediency and, and personal gain. It's, it's profit over people. Absolutely. And Will, you bring up a very good point. And I think that's that's part of starting to understand the truth, thereby the narrative mm-hmm. changes. Because when you understand the whole story, the narrative automatically has to change but you, because you've only had part of the story. Right. You know, and when we talk about part of the story, now the question becomes, you know, or what is the black tax of independence for African-Americans? We know what it was then. Right. It was no independence. All right. So that, that's easy. You know, and then now what, what, what starts to happen? So 7076 takes place. But then we get to the Constitution itself hmm. and the original Constitution itself, not the amendments that were there were input, the first, the, what we call the, uh, the first set of amendments. Uh, but what ends up happening, you talk about Thomas Jefferson writing, what happens, Will, is that now slavery, okay, is now sunset, the importation hmm. of slavery is sunset in the Constitution. Hmm. However, the institution of slavery still exists. Right. Right. And it exists to the point where now we have to categorize black people as property, mm. a little bit higher than animals, but not fully humans, for the point of representation as three fifths of a person. Right. But I, but I can have relationships with them, sexual Absolutely. relationships with, that produce other humans. But, you know, they're not they're not fully human. I mean, 
Come, oh, come on. I mean, those, they, those, are all, they understood. those are all the they, contradictions. Yeah, they, I mean, they, it's not, they, they knew, they knew whether that was a lie, but they made yeah. a decision. And, and Will, you bring up a very good point in knowing that it's a lie, but you're making a politically and an economic right. calculated decision. I believe that all decisions are economic. Right. I believe that slavery itself boiled down to economics, hands down. I believe that when you saw the profits you can make from free labor, if you got everybody to believe the way you believe, which was part of the slave Bible and uh, religion around partial religion or what we call slave religion that was put input on slaves or forced on them. Right. You know, th- again, it wasn't the whole Bible. It was just part of it. Right. right? And uh, you actually uh, share with me a picture where you actually were able to see, you know, that, that part of the Bible, that slave Bible. Yeah, the slave Bible. I mean, they had it on display at the, uh, you know, at the Bible museum, the museum of the Bible in DC. I, I went and saw it myself up, up front. It had it right there. And, Again, another concerted decision. I mean, we know what we do. We know the Bible. I mean, these are learned men who knew the Bible, uh, supposedly knew the Lord, right, as their Lord and Savior, and made a decision about the Bible, right, that they were (laughs) going to parse out all of those parts of the Bible where the whole life of Jesus was about Revolution was about freeing people, was about uh, uh, coming to that man would be real, realigned with God and that we would over, overthrow tyrannical government oppression on people. I mean, the total life of Jesus as read in the Bible was very much about exactly that. Yeah. So they took those things out of that and emphasize things like um, the scriptures that says slaves obey your masters and those sorts of things. And that became, you know, the prevailing teaching. Again, a concerted, calculated decision. And, you know, and and the thing that's interesting, again, as we connect dots between then and now, you can see in the human psyche that ability to make those kinds of concerted, you know, decisions based in profit mode and based in your yeah. individual gain. You see it going on in our neighborhoods where someone will make a decision to sell crack or sell drugs, right? Knowing that is yeah. ravaging people, ravaging is your it? neighbor, ravaging the neighborhood. But you justify to yourself that, hey, I got to eat. I got to, we got to make money. We got to survive and better me than him or her, uh-huh. than me. We see it in, again, uh, you know, if we want to be honest about these things, we talk about how we see it in politics. You also see this kind of thing happening in the church where people will compromise certain things, knowing knowing what, uh, what, is, wrong. what is wrong and what is right, but will compromise things. And I mean, when you understand this, it actually helps to keep you yourself from becoming so self-righteous to believe yeah, that absolutely. you can't find yourself in that very same place in your own life. You know, absolutely. you have to examine your own life and say, okay, what have I compromised on? Yeah. Knowing what was right and what was wrong. And then justifying for myself what was 
expedient for me at the moment. So, you know, whether it's big or whether it's small, but when you're talking about a whole country and whole groups of people and generations of people, and then overlaying that with myth, that's what you're dealing with when you talk about America and why we've got a black tax today uh, tying into, you know, Independence Day. Was Independence Day for whom? It wasn't Independence Day for us. And now we're still seeing the legacy of it today. Absolutely. And well, look, when you talk about, I mean, like, you were preaching, so so you, you said a whole lot. <laughs> that's usually your that's usually your job. That's usually my job to play, you know, play your hype man and say you play your deacon. I don't know. Oh no, brother, look, if you notice, I didn't say a word during that whole time. Like, go ahead, Will. You know, but 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 you know, when you talk about you know taking uh, making a calculated effort and, and decision to do that, hmm. I go back to I believe that slavery was an economic decision. Hmm. You know, because again, you see the profit. You're like, wow, this is a lot of money. It's a huge margin. Free? Don't have, <laughs> right. to pay, don't have to pay anybody and everything comes in and is free. My expenses are minimal. Absolutely. Look, and my profits you know, are investment. Your initial is going to buy one male, one female, and then allowing them to procreate. Mm. And you don't, you don't pay for that. I mean, that, right. that's free. And again, even minimal medical treatment, you know, in, in, right. in minimal, like, minimal costs on food. You know, and clothing yes. and shelter, but Absolutely. no salary, certainly no salary. Yeah, these people never had money, never had a savings, you know, anything. I mean, I, generation, I, generation. I, I can't fathom that, man. I, I can't fathom it. But even when you say coming from a Christian standpoint in a Christian nation, I mean, the word of God even says it's in Deuteronomy, what, chapter four and two in Revelation 22 18 through 19, let no man add or take away. Right. From the word of God. If you do so, he's going to add uh, plagues unto you and take away your measure uh, in, in from the tree of life. I mean, so even with fear of the word of God, they still made a calculated effort to take away parts of the word of God. So, so, why, so now that, re- that brings to that brings in the question, well, which God will you really serving at that point because if because what often keeps us as people of faith regardless of whether it's christianity whatever your faith is islam judaism sikhism whatever it may be traditional uh, religions you are going to be thinking about your honor and where your spirit will lie or what will happen to you if you do this thing that you know that's right is, is wrong. So you have to wonder how much is there really a true belief in God? Now, if you don't really believe in what you're saying and you see it as just words on a book, on a page, then it's not really relevant to you. And so this is one of the things that I find is really amazing. You know, you've talked about this, about how who is more American than Black people. I mean, Black people with all of what our ancestors and what we've been through as a as citizens of this country fighting for citizenship and how we continue to have hope in this country being the what is supposed to be promised and, and how we continue to be loyal to this nation. And I remember myself even going through the transformation of becoming up a young man in New York City 
and all the things that I saw in racism. Just, I mean, people need to recognize, I mean, New York, you talk about racism in the South being, you know, so uh, vicious. Oh, please. Uh, I come, you come from the segregated South. I come from the segregated North. So we both know violence. Segregation. And, and, and segregation. Absolutely. And I remember, but I remember <laughs> the bill. I remember watching the movie Glory. Okay. And which is to this day, one of, you know, a life changing movie for me. And one of my favorites, you know, in the top three of my favorite movies of all the time. And I just remember the, you know, the courage of the men of the, you know, Massachusetts 54. And I remember that, that scene where they were having church by the, you know, by the campfire. And you see the African American, the richness of the African American church tradition, you know, it, it is ties to Africa and it's, it is very authenticness here in America, how they had in church, yeah. right? Before going to battle. And then I looked at the, and these brothers having church and putting their faith in God, knowing yeah. that they were about to go to their death, but doing it for the future generations of their children, their children's children, down to essentially, Clavel, you and I. Yeah. I mean, I watched that as a young man, and I saw that. I said, mm, "This country is my country." Absolutely. If not more, it's just certainly just as much as anybody else's country, but, but perhaps even more. Look at what my ancestors. And again, I'm someone. I, I believe war is insanity. You know, in terms of, and even when you watch it in that movie, you see the insanity of war. But to see men. And, and women, you know, because I you go forward and I just recently you see the you see the um, movie Harriet and you yep. see the courage of Harriet Tubman. So to understand our ancestors and how they put faith in God to deliver and went to their death and, and put themselves on the line for future generations, uh -huh. that was like you know what it, it turned my tide in terms of pride in America and being an American and how, you know, our blood, sweat and tears is tied to this land. And I, and I lay claim to it and laying pride in it for, on behalf of them. You know, I yeah. raise my hand to the, to the, to the flag and hold my heart on their behalf. So, yeah. you know, that's just the irony of, of, again, the black tax, you know, July 4th in the independence day for who, you know, for, Oh, well, I say for us. Yeah, I say for us, brother. It's for us. Absolutely. Well, I remember the scene of the 54 around the campfire. Things that they loved about the 54. Mm -hmm. But it was also things that they loved about not just the 54, the brotherhood, mm -hmm. the dedication and love for each other. But it's also things they loved about the country, the country that they were fighting for mm -hmm. in which they were not free now. Of course, they're fighting on the Union side, which was a little different at that time period than the Confederacy. But I, I think that you you described that scene perfectly. You know, it is the African American culture so strong in the in 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 the face, looking mm. death in the face mm. in the midst. And the thing about it, Will, it's kind of like when 
because you both, both, both you and I, we grew up and we had exposure to Pentecostalism. Mm-hmm. And that's about as close you can get to what you saw in, in the 50, or the close to the 54, that scene can get to, you know, what we were experienced growing up. And is that it's, it's, it's when I hear those saints that, that are crying out to the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, you can't go back because right. ain't nothing back there. Right, right. <laughs> the brother of the 54 couldn't go back because it wasn't nothing back there. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, they were looked upon as heroes because they had that uniform by their, by their families. But going forward was also hard mm. because it was not likely that, that they were going to live. My, my, my. And they, yeah. they were sent on really a suicide mission because mm-hmm. their lives were not valued as much, even in the Union Army, than the white lives. Absolutely. But they got an opportunity to fight. They stayed, but you know what they said? I would rather go forward and fight and lose my life for what I see coming down the road than go back and live the life that I've lived all this time. Mm. To me, I've said it before, I'll say it again. There's nothing more American than being African-American. Mm. It's the people that built this country with our blood, with our sweat, with our tears, with our children, with our lives. We've given our ingenuity, our innovation, That's right. our love, our kindness, and all of our being to build this country, which is ours, known as the United States of America. A country that doesn't love us back. That's right. But we continue to love it. Right, because you put your faith in God. God ultimately is the love. God ultimately is the redeemer. God um, is love. God is love. It's one of the most powerful verses. Uh, God is love in the whole Bible. (laughs) Well, <laughs> I like that. That was a mic drop right there. That was a mic drop right there. The whole gospel. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and well, with that, I want to thank all of you for tuning in to LaVisa Cleville. As we talk about the 4th of July, Black Tax Independence, mm-hmm. uh, and we take a look at history of Independence Day and where are we now? As always, thank you for your support. If you like what you're listening to, continue to like, share, and follow us on our social media, our Facebook page, and comment. And tell your friends about it as well. Again, to us, that's the way we see it, and that's the way it is. Until next time, be well.